Good evening. Welcome back to Simply Serie A, the Italian football podcast brought to you by the FNX Network. And as ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu. My guests this week are, is, are the returning Tommy Milanese. Welcome back, mate. How was your trip? Thank you, man. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, good work and good places, but it's good to be back on the podcast. Good. We're glad to have you back. And also joining me is my right-hand man, Mr. Vittorio Campanile. How are you, sir? Fine. Unfortunately, I'm not coming back from uh, the US, but I'm always here. <laughs> yep, you are always here. And it's much appreciated, I've got to say. Um, right, guys, as always, plenty to talk about. But we're going to start off with something slightly different this week. We're going to start off with the Champions League and the Cristiano Ronaldo show that took place in Turin uh, on Tuesday night. Cristiano Ronaldo single-handedly dragged Juventus through to the next round of the knockout stages. Uh, Vittorio, let's start with yourself. Did you expect Juventus to turn this around? Because Atletico, very stubborn side. The odds were stacked against Allegri's men, weren't they? But they, they delivered. Yes, they did. And... Uh... You know, there were some hopes because playing at home, uh, you, you can feel that Cristiano Ronaldo was preparing for this match in the last two weeks. And uh, as I said before, you know, Ronaldo in the, in the Champions League, it's, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. He's terrific. Uh, as Allegri said in the press conference after the match, it was surprising that he scored just one goal in the Champions League. So I was confident that against Atletico, he could increase the, the scoring, and this is what he did. But we we said about Cristiano Ronaldo that it's amazing, and that's the reason why Juventus bought him. But even players like Bernardeschi played really, really well yesterday. I think all the team played played well. And overall, you have to say, Juventus is a much better team than Atletico Madrid. And at, at the end, it's, it's the right result, I think. Uh, joining us also now is, is Adam Digby, Juventus fan and Italian football writer. Adam, welcome to the show. Uh, we started talking about Juventus. Let's get your take on it. As a Juve fan, what an incredible night. Yeah, it was. Um, Allegri got everything pretty much perfect, didn't he, on, on Tuesday night in the second leg. And, and as you were just saying, it, it, it ultimately, I think it was the right result and the better team went through. Absolutely, absolutely. Tommy, let's talk about Cristiano Ronaldo. You were saying to me off air that you prefer Lionel Messi. Uh, I do too, but I think it is purely down to personal preference, isn't it? There's not much separating these two guys. And is there an argument that instead of comparing them, we should just be grateful that we get to watch both at the same time? Yeah, definitely. We should we should definitely be grateful. But I mean, you you asked this question to the wrong guy because I'm I'm very <laughs> strongly I'm very strongly on Messi's side. I don't think I don't think it's even a debate in my opinion. But I mean, uh, we're talking Serie A here. But yeah, Ronaldo was has, has been very good yesterday. Uh, but as Vittorio said, he stole all the headlines. But other players of the team played incredibly well, like Bernardeschi. Um, Cancelo, uh, Matuidi, even Spinazzola, which I mean, was there on the, as a left back against Atletico. I mean, uh, I don't think every you know, Juve fans were feeling very safe with him, but instead he delivered a great performance. So I think it was a great performance by the whole team and uh, not just Ran. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and the rest of the team deserve plenty of credit too. But Adam, as a Juve fan, do you feel now that the Ronaldo factor is what could be the difference between Juve going all the way and winning the thing as opposed to getting the to the final perhaps and, and not quite making it? 
Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. That's why they signed him, isn't it? He said he said the same thing himself last night to to provide magic like that, and and that is the difference because if we look back to last year, Juve did exactly the same against Real Madrid that they did this season against Atletico Madrid. They got the first leg completely wrong, got absolutely taken apart by a, a a much better performing team, and then rescued it in the second leg. But going into the last minute of both or the final minutes of both games, there was a penalty to take, and and if Cristiano Ronaldo scores the penalty, his team wins, and it happened on both occasions. And I think if you if you go back to last season before Ronaldo, who at Juve would you have trusted to to take that penalty with three minutes to go? And if you score, you go through, and if you miss, maybe you lose an extra time because you give Atletico Madrid some belief. Um, for me. Cristiano Ronaldo is is the one player in the world you want with that. And you can have a, a, a debate over who is the better football player between Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. But when it comes to the, the crunch moments, the player you want to deliver for, for, for any team, Cristiano Ronaldo is the guy 101 times out of 100, never mind 99. He, <laughs> he just doesn't care, does he? Like, We've seen Messi come up short in big games. You never watch Cristiano Ronaldo play a game and think he choked there. You never once have thought that. Never once. He, he, he just he, he, last night. Last night was the same as against Juventus last season. It was the same as against Spain at the World Cup with the the free kick in the final minute to get a three three draw. You just know he is going to score, and there is not another player on the planet who who gives you that guarantee where you. You, 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 that penalty was never in doubt last night and neither was the one against against Juventus last season and neither was that Spain free kick you know the minute he steps up he's going to score and that there is not another player in the world where you have that belief there just isn't yep I, I, I agree with you I agree with you I am a I do prefer Lionel Messi but like I said I, 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 it's, I'm it's, not I'm not I'm not in any way trying to take anything away from Lionel Messi's quality as a player, but when it comes to that one moment right at the very end, and it's the difference between winning and losing, Cristiano Ronaldo is absolutely the man, and, and yeah. Lionel Messi, frankly, isn't. Well, I mean, I mean, if we're talking about scoring a penalty, then I can tell you a lot of other players, like Hurricane, for example, I would trust Hurricane oh, yeah, scoring a penalty. I'm not, talking <laughs> about, I'm not talking about scoring I would literally put my life on, on fire. Ta- but, but if you're but talking I, about... Talking like scoring in a final. I mean, there's this belief that Messi doesn't deliver in finals, but I don't really know where it comes from. Like no, 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 no. I'm not even talking about finals. Last night is the last 16. The the Spain game was a group stage game. The the Juve game was a quarter final. It doesn't matter what the stage is. Cristiano Ronaldo always scores. And and Harry Kane. Would you bet your life on Harry Kane scoring a penalty? Really? I would. I really? Would. really? <laughs> I saw it live in the World Cup. I'll tell you what, if you bet your life on Harry Kane scoring a penalty and I bet mine on Cristiano Ronaldo scoring a penalty, I'll bet I live longer. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, uh, Vittorio, I want to come to you on this one because, you know, we, we spoke quite a bit, didn't we, last week about VAR. Um, thank God for V well not for VAR but for goal line technology uh, in that tie because Cristiano Ronaldo second the header um, in real time I didn't think that it went over the line but fortunately goal line tech was there but then did we see the bad side of VAR because did you feel that maybe the first what goal that Juventus had the first one that ended up in the back of the net was wrongly ruled out so it's true honestly I didn't feel that the the, the that was a goal but luckily, there is the the technology there, and luckily in that case, 
there's no interpretation. The, the referee can get that wrong, right? Because oh, it's goal or it's not. So that, that's one of the positive sides. Um, no, I don't think so. I, and it's funny because uh, today I had a lot of discussion with the Roma fans saying, well, it's not fair. Bernadeschi got a penalty and it was identical to the chic one against Porto last week. So why <laughs> one is a penalty and the other one isn't? Uh, so, you know, you can have discussion about penalties and referee all the time and uh, with different uh, fans complaining. Um, I, I, we already talked about the VAR last, last week and I still have my opinion that every manager should have, you know, two, two, two challenges per, per match and, uh, and, uh, and use it that way more than compl- uh, giving the ref the chance to, to check it out. I think uh, overall uh, the ref made the right decision and... Um, so I don't think that you was lucky on that side. Yeah, I, Adam, your thoughts on that 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 goal was it? Chiellini that turned it in. Uh, it was Chiellini. I, I think, to be honest, in both instances, I think we we saw the the positive side of of both systems, goal line technology and VAR in the game last night. I think the 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 VAR decision, the referee ruled it out, and I think when you watch the replay, there wasn't enough evidence in the replay to say. It's easy for me to say now that Juve went through anyway, but. to me there wasn't enough enough evidence to say the ref had made a clear and obvious error which is that's the rule with VAR I think it was probably borderline in the first place if he'd given it there probably wasn't enough to rule it out he didn't give it he ruled it out so when when the um, video assistant referee reviews the film he's looking for enough evidence to overturn the the disallowed goal and to me it wasn't there and then with the goal line technology just like you I, I thought that hit the, hit the post or the crossbar or something. I didn't, for one minute, think that the keeper had made a save and saved it behind the line. It, it never even crossed my mind that that was a thing. And then all of a sudden, the ref's pointing to his uh, monitor on his arm and saying, it went over the line, it's a goal. And I was like, oh, OK, great. <laughs> um, and I think without the two systems, I think probably the Juve goal gets disallowed, but you kind of feel a bit of injustice but because it, you get to see the replay. You know, it was, it was fair-ish. And then the goal line technology, that probably wasn't a goal last night because to me, just watching it, I didn't see that at all. And I think without the system, probably the officials didn't either because it was so quick. Yeah, totally agree. I, like, I, like you guys said, when I saw Ronaldo's header, I thought it was just a good save from Oblak. I didn't even consider that it might have crossed the line. So fortunately, the system uh, worked there. And, and I guess, you know, we've never had an, an argument against goal line tech. I think that most people want that. I think it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Like Vittorio said, there's no interpretation. It's either over or it's not. Um, Tommy, Pep Guardiola's come out and said that Juventus and Ronaldo are now his favourites to win the competition. Would you agree with that? Looking at, obviously, what's happened tonight at the time of recording, Liverpool have now progressed. That's four English teams through to the last eight. And then you have Juventus, Ajax, Porto and Barcelona. Would you make Juve the favourites, given the Ronaldo factor now as well? Yeah, 100%. I remember we had a similar conversation before the first leg against Atletico. I remember saying in this in this podcast that, in my opinion, Juve was a favourite. I think this is the perfect year. Like I said uh, the last time, I think none, there's no other team right now that have the same chances to win it as, as Juve does. Because, for example, uh, Barcelona is incredible. We saw it tonight. Messi has been incredible. But I think they're not 
as good as it used to be like in previous years like the defense is still shaky they still concede some fluky goals even tonight for example it was a I don't know if you saw it but it was just a bit of rebounds in the in the box and then uh, that, that don't remember now the goal scorer name but he just get, get the ball and put it in the back of the net they're still be flicking in defense and I, I think that's very important because when you're like in a draw and like last few minutes or you you need to defend your advantage conceding a goal like that can be absolutely vital and then I mean I'm not going to stay here and, uh, and and analyze every single team but I think this year like no other years in the past Juve is definitely the favorite and you should win it I think it will what do you guys make of Ajax because they obviously dumped out Real Madrid they kind of and I know we're going off topic a little bit here but a lot of people are tipping Ajax as the dark horses this season I don't think they'll win it but they've certainly got a shout of giving whoever they meet in the next round a hard time. I don't know what any of you guys think on that, if any of you have seen Ajax play at all this season. Well, I saw the game against Real Madrid. It was absolutely incredible. They're, they're definitely the underdogs in this competition. And who, if they got a bit lucky, they, they drew Porto or even or even Spurs, which obviously are a better team, but not unbeatable for, um, for Ajax. They can go through the next round and that would be a, a great victory for them and a great chances for players like Tadic or, or not just him to, to show off and maybe get a big, a big move next summer. I'd have far greater respect for Ajax. If they can dump out Spurs as well, I'd be very pleased with that. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys. I'm not sure Harry Kane would score a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Harry Kane and his penalties. <laughs> Hope he never scores one ever again. But anyway, that's, a, that's another debate. Uh, let's rewind back now to, to the weekend Serie A action. Uh, we are recording a little bit later this week. Um, partly because of work commitments and partly because we wanted to see if Juventus would be able to turn around uh, this two-goal deficit because obviously it's a huge, it was a huge night for Italian football as well, not just European football. Uh, Vittorio, let's start with yourself. Uh, Fiorentina won, Lazio won, Immobile and Muriel with two wonderful goals. Um, but, you know, Lazio will feel a bit disappointed that they didn't take all three points. Is, is that a fair assessment? Unfortunately, it is. I thought Lazio played incredibly well. And the big question for a team like Lazio is how do they cope after winning the derby? Often in the past, after winning the derby, Lazio lost the, the match afterwards, playing often badly. Instead, against Fiorentina, and was a very important match because Lazio needed to win to keep the hope of the Champions League spot alive. And they played really well. And the fact that Fiorentina scored with the only shot on target of the of the whole night tells you a lot. Um, Lazio played really well, uh, had a lot of chances. Immobile missed a lot of chances, more than missed. I thought, as normally striker, uh, he 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 missed the the last pass in the two circumstances, especially in the second half. He had both Correa and Luis Alberto free in front of the goalkeeper. Instead, he tried to shot shoot from the distance and things didn't go well. So, yeah, very disappointed because Lazio played probably the best match of the season. But Fiorentina can be a real dangerous team. Now, the fact that they lost Kies after 35 minutes, I I, I was hoping that would have been good for Lazio. Instead, uh, Pioli made the right move and uh, Fiorentina in the second half played better. Still didn't create that many chances, but got a, a draw that, to be honest... It's useless even for them. They are fighting for the Europe League. They needed a win because Torino and Atalanta won as well. So it's a point that the, both teams didn't need. So, But at least Lazio played really well. 
Yeah, you can always take encouragement from that, I guess. Uh, Adam, uh, Vittorio mentioned the injury to Chiesa. How big a blow is that? And is that going to affect uh, Fiorentina's chances of, of making a Europa League place? Um, the coach said it's a, an abdominal strain, so I don't think he's going to be sidelined too long. Obviously, if he is, it's, it'd be a big problem. I think as long as they get him back for the, the second leg of the Coppa Italia, I think they'll be absolutely fine because I think they're... They're too inconsistent to, to really be getting into the Europa League. You've got to get top six to get into the Europa League through the league. And I, I don't think they're consistent enough to do that. I think there's too many better teams ahead of them, in, including Lazio. Um, I think they did really well to, to reshuffle. And I think after the break, when they brought on Kevin Morales, I think they were they were much better. And they kind of negated Lazio's strength and then caused Lazio some real problems as well. Um forced them into some substitutions and made them change a little bit. I thought it was a really intriguing match, to be honest. I think Lazio definitely had the better of it and they were they were kind of made to pay for not taking their chances in the first half, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Tommy, uh, Adam's mentioned Kevin Miralas there. How's he got on uh, since he's moved across to, to Serie A? Because he didn't quite make it at Everton here in the Premier League. Uh, they had high hopes for him when they signed him. Has he adapted to life in Italy well or is he kind of... Still a bit of a, a misfit. Well, I think he's having an all right season. As I, uh, he didn't, he doesn't really start regularly for Fiorentina. But I would say for, it's it's quite hard to to start regularly for Fiorentina unless your name is Federico Chiesa. Because <laughs> as I was saying in another episode, I found very interesting how Pioli changes the formation like quite often. I mean, uh, I would say that lately he kind of found a bit of a balance, but. Before it was starting with uh, with a three up front, two wingers and Simeone, then with two strikers, Simeone and Muriel, then Muriel is a striker in Chiesa. So it was a bit, I was a bit unsure how Fiorentino was starting. And Mirajas is one of those players that purely likes to keep in the bench and to bring on if the games mm. get complicated, like it happened. And that is such an important role. There's not many players that can do that. There, there's some players that are made for that like for example in Sampdoria there's Saponara we will talk about later he always comes on after to kind of save the situation and he did because after he came on even though it was a it was quite an ambitious move from Pioli then yeah he was the one who did the assist for, for Muriel so okay great stuff moving on now uh, Milan registered their fifth consecutive win uh, at Kievo to remain in third place uh, thanks to Bilia's wonderful free kick and another goal from Christoph Piontek uh, Vittorio this guy just keeps going doesn't he what, what are we going to do to stop him I, I don't know you know when there are those type of players that have a unbelievable season where they score even if they don't want to I think Piontek <laughs> is in that type of season you know <laughs> maybe he doesn't want to he scores anyway but I think the most important thing of this match is again against uh, Kievo that it's not a very good team this year Milan struggle again so yes Piontek score and that's why they got the three points but I would be a little bit scared if I was a Milan fan because uh, they're not playing well. They're not playing well. You have a striker that scores every time he breathes, and still you're not playing very well. You beat Atalanta, yes, it's true, but you struggle a lot in the first half. And against Kivo, again, you struggle. You've been a little bit lucky. You know, there have been a lot of complaining about the free kick Biglia had, uh, the, the red card, and so on. So, um, again, Milan is still favoured for me for the Champions League spot, but they have to improve. They have to play better. Now there's going to be the derby. And if Milan wants to win it, 
I think they have to improve how how they want to play football. Now, Inter is, in, is not in a great <laughs> shape again, so it's going to be a terrible derby in a certain way. But still, I think if Milan wants to be better team, they have to start playing real football. Yeah, I mean, Adam, mm-hmm. we keep we keep saying this every week, don't we? Every week it feels like we're talking about Milan not playing to their potential, not playing well enough. But at the end of the day, they're in third position. They're six points behind Napoli now. And, and you know, even second place is, is in their sights. So are we being a little bit overcritical of Gattuso's side, maybe? I think, I think a lot of it is because it's Milan. Like, you want to see more because it's Milan. If it was, if it was Lazio or Atalanta who got into third place and just kept winning and winning and winning, nobody would be saying, "Oh, yeah, but they're not playing well." Or that. they keep winning, like they just keep winning, and their defensive record is incredible over the past few weeks. They're really not conceding many goals at all, and here they are six points behind a Napoli team who to all intents and purposes as we saw against Sassuolo this weekend have completely given up on Serie A because they're definitely going to be in the Champions League and they're going to try and win the Europa League so they're going to keep resting especially with Carlo Ancelotti they're going to keep resting players Milan don't have anything else to play for and as you say they keep scoring goals almost by accident they keep winning games without playing well they could very easily find themselves second place I mean they're probably going to be 20 points at least behind Juventus but they could finish second and, and that would be an incredible achievement for AC Milan and it, yeah it's it's a shame that they're not playing well and that their football's not good but they have a lot of problems in their team as well they have a midfield that's really made up of of defensive players which helps their record at the back but doesn't help them make any good play going forward they have wingers in Suso and Castileo that that are not very good. That's probably one area they really need to strengthen. And then they have the striker who seems to just, he could fall over and the ball would smack him in the face and end up <laughs> in the back of the net. It's incredible. We've seen Belotti have a season like this before. We saw Immobile have a season like this before, before he went to Dortmund. And and we've even seen Edin Jack one of these seasons. Um, and, and now, as you say, they're coming into the derby. They have Piontek, who can't stop scoring goals, into have... Mauro Icardi, who is injured and, and not playing. And, and to me, that just sums up where the two teams are going into this derby. Inter are causing all their own problems and self-destructing. And AC Milano just winning game after game after game. It, it really is harsh to, to say that they, to, to sort of criticise them for not playing well, because at the end of the day, all that matters to them is getting in the Champions League. And they're definitely going to do that now. Like the other teams around them have either given up like Napoli or they're falling apart like uh, Roma and, and Inter. So it's Milan's to to lose, and they, they seemingly can't lose. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, Tommy, we saw uh, Gattuso get sent to the stands for dissent. Uh, he was unhappy with the treatment that Paqueta was receiving on the pitch. Is there a possible uh, ban coming up for this? I'm not sure. Is there any action going to be taken? Could he be at risk of missing the derby or does it not really work like that in Italy? Um, I'm not sure about that, actually, to be fair. I didn't really look into it, but I'm, uh, I mean, I'm not surprised that <laughs> that happened to him. We, we all know him for his temper in the pitch, both of them was a player and, and now he's a manager. So I think it would be a great loss for, for him to not be, uh, 
there in the in the pitch during the derby, uh, because uh, yeah, he gives a lot of energy to his players. I think that's something very important. And and yeah, and I agree with Adam what he said. Uh, I don't think a team necessarily needs to play good football to 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 win and to achieve great things. They all all the Milan needs right now is to win after all the problems they had the last years, and they're doing it. And I'm very confident they're finishing the. In the Champions League, and they'll probably be Inter as well in the Derby. I would love to see that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Gattuso is going to be available for the Derby. He's just yeah, going to. Um, but he was at risk, yes, because he yeah. had been sent off. But there's this rule in Italy that if you've been sent off for the first time, then you don't get banned for the second okay. time. And, and they've, they've, they've done a they've done a very Italian thing with this because normally if you get sent off, you would get suspended. But Gasparini, the Atalanta manager, was sent off as well at the weekend and as he walked down the tunnel he slapped a Sampdoria director in the face and knocked him <laughs> on the floor so what they've done is they've suspended Gasparini for one game and Gattuso for no games so that's fair so that he doesn't miss the derby and because it's the derby we know that's why he's not got suspended because that's how Italy is if, <laughs> if they were playing if they were playing uh, Spal I guarantee you Gattuso would have got a one game ban and Gasparini would have got two interesting uh, stuff every time <laughs> interesting stuff and, and that, that's why we love it isn't it <laughs> yes right absolutely guys we, we're going to come back to the derby talk uh, a little bit later on but the next thing i want to talk about is last week we were talking about roma uh, at length and adam you you called it you said that if porto dumped roma out that di francesco would lose his job he has lost his job monchi's left it's all happened at roma uh, and Claudio Ranieri has been given the job. Now, as someone who's seen quite a bit of Claudio Ranieri's managerial career, Vittorio's time with yourself, how on earth has he landed a job like this again? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? He's still uh, an idol for Roma fans, you know? And the, the funny thing is that there was this quote from Totti after the Derby saying, no, Di Francesco's the man, he's the right, etc. And then it looks like he called Ranieri and prepared everything to to substitute, to sack Di Francesco and get Ranieri. So, you know, you have to thank Totti for all this. But uh, we said it, uh, after losing the Derby so badly and uh, and then losing it in the Champions League to, to Porto, not Real Madrid, it, it was obvious that um, Di Francesco would have been sacked. Um, Ranieri was probably did I, say the Porto? Only... Uh, did I say Real Madrid? Sorry, I meant Porto. No, no, no. I'm saying that. You, oh, okay, you yeah, yeah. Like, uh, the thing is, uh, Ranieri was probably the only one available to to do only till the end of the season. So, uh, yeah, you, you they, they didn't check what they do what Ranieri did in the last couple of years after Leicester, but. You know, he's a Roma fan. Uh, he has a house in Rome. He's, he was happy to be back there. So uh, let's see how things go. The, the biggest surprise for me is Monkey leaving now because we knew that he was going to live in, in the summer for Arsenal. But leaving during the season like this, this is a big shock. I don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah, I mean, Adam, what do you make of the Ranieri appointment? For me, it just seems like... Ranieri can, you know, he, he, the only, well, he obviously he's been in the Premier League for, for many years. He's had a couple of stints there now. Uh, didn't do all that well with Chelsea when they first had their sort of millions come in. He won the title, obviously, with Leicester, but then things went south after that pretty quickly. 
Uh, what's your view on this appointment? Because for me, I think a club like Roma has to be aiming bigger than than Claudio Ranieri. I think it's it's more worthwhile investing in someone younger with new, fresh ideas that could probably be there for a longer term. Yeah, and to be honest, they've only given Ranieri a contract until the end of the season, and and I think that's why. I think Monti has gone. They need to find a, a new sporting director and a new plan, and because because of the way the dynamic works, you always want to get the sporting director in place before you have the coach because otherwise it's not his guy and he's going to want to change anyway. So they need to get a sporting director in. In that way, it kind of makes sense to get rid of Monchi so that the new guy can come, make his plans for the summer, start to, to make his moves, beginning with a coach, um, and, and try and get it right because Roma, just like Inter, have got absolutely everything in place off the field to be really successful. They've got intelligent owners. They've got a, a really forward-thinking business plan. They're trying to do everything the right way, just the same with Inter. But on the pitch, they can't get out of their own way. Um, they, they just continually self-destruct. And Monty made some terrible, terrible mistakes. Um, he, he left gaping holes in their squad. They, they, they really have struggled. And Di Francesco deserves a lot of the blame for that. He made some terrible choices himself. He... He never got the defence well organised. He couldn't seem to settle on a formation. He couldn't get the best out of some of their players. Um, he made terrible substitutions. But the squad is, is fatally flawed, starting in goal where they lost Alisson. They, they lo- then inexplicably loaned Lukas Skorupski out, uh, who is far, far better than... You could probably put the two goalkeepers who he signed, uh, Robin Olsen and Antonio Mirante, in goal, and they wouldn't do as well as Skorupski can do by himself. Um, they're, they're both very, very below below average, and it, it's no surprise that they've got rid of Monchi because it's just not really worked out for him in Italy. Yeah, I mean, Tommy, looking at the, the future for Roma in terms of sporting director, do you, is there anybody in mind? Is there anybody in the running? What are the Italian papers saying about this? Um, well, I, I've read something about Sabatini, which is now. Uh, Sampdoria but it used to be a Roma I might be confused if I was going on uh, it looks like Roma is about to do like a bit of a revolution and which is probably needed just like the guy said Ranieri is probably not going to have uh, a long future at Roma unless he does incredibly well and qualify for the Champions League for some reason um, yeah it looks it looks like a like a choice just to just to keep Roma where it is now and keep a fifth place and try to fall for they're probably going to have um, many hopes as well. What I think is a bit weird uh, is that Roma has been playing historically in the past few years with the, uh, with the front three, with the two wingers and, and one guy up front. And they got an ear now that has a, a very completely different philosophy. We know that he loves to play with the 4-4-2 like he did in Leicester when he was playing with um, Vardy and Rokazaki up front and Maris on the wing. And uh, now it does, it does, I don't think he really has a player for it. Like he says he wants to play Sheik and Jaco together which could be a good idea to be fair but then if one of those two get injured or something who's going to play Robert literally doesn't have any other striker like that um, so it's, it's very interesting I'm not sure what to, to what to expect from it I don't think they're, they're going to do much better than they're doing now to be fair they're probably going to finish between 5th and 6th spot which is I don't think it's too bad for the the players they have now and the, all the situation they're having now well I mean all hope is not lost in in the hunt for Champions League football. If you think about it, they're at what? They're three points behind Inter in fourth, four points yeah, yeah, behind Milan. Points, yeah. this, this, but, this, this, but they still have to play against Juventus, Napoli. So yeah, and yeah. 
So they have to be careful. And uh, I th- I... no, go, go. No, I just wanted to say that there's big rumors that Totti can become the sport director. Mm. So we'll see. That's an interesting. Well, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. legend in the page doesn't make you a good sport director. So could be, but I don't know. Sounds a bit weird to me. I'm not saying that he's going to be a good sport. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> I think Totti, Totti can get whatever job he wants at Roma, can he? He could probably be the coach if he decided that's what he wanted to do. I think, I think to be honest, if if I look at this as a as a complete outsider to to Roma, I think what they've done is they've looked at the situation and thought Claudio Ranieri is a better coach than Luciano Spalletti. Let's let's get Ranieri and hope that he can finish above Inter. And it, it wouldn't surprise me if they do because. As, as much as of a mess of Roma have been, to me, Inter are even worse, which we can talk about in a minute. But <laughs> it, it, I, I think they're, they're a disaster right now. And they were very lucky this past weekend. And they've got some tough games coming up too. And it would not surprise me in the least if Roma finished fourth and Inter finished fifth, to be totally honest. That would be uh, some turnaround, wouldn't it? Uh, right, let's, let's talk about the Milan derby because it's happening next weekend. <laughs> Everybody's buzzing for it. I'm certainly buzzing for it. Um, my team, Arsenal, are not in action this weekend, so I'm looking forward to it even more. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of the best football for me this weekend. I want to get you guys' thoughts and feelings on how this one's going to go, the key talking points ahead of it. Vittorio, if you had to stick your neck on the line, how do you see this one going? We know that Milan are in in a better situation than Inter, but... In terms of the teams themselves, on paper, they're very close, aren't they? And there's only a point difference in terms of the league table as well. Yes, I would say that Milan is favourite because they have Piontek. They have the striker while Inter striker is not there. So I believe Inter will try to have Icardi back, but the rumours are he won't be able to play the derby. And this is a big problem for Inter, who finally won Sunday, but... They struggle as well. So I would say that Milan is favourite. But let's not forget that in a derby, especially in an Italian derby, usually the team that is less favourite wins. So Inter, Inter has a very good defence. So they can stop Piontek like Lazio did in Coppa Italia. And if you stop Piontek, then Milan is not really dangerous. So I believe that's going to be what Spalletti is going to try to do. Stop Piontek and then try to find different ways to score. They, are, they, they, they have Keita back, and Keita can be very dangerous because he's fast, he's smart, he's a very skilled player, and he tends to give his best when, when it's a very complicated match, very important match. So Keita could be the match winner for Inter if he's playing. Adam, your, your thoughts on this one? Uh, I could see nothing other than a Milan win, to be perfectly honest. I mean... Uh, <laughs> I just, have, I just have no faith whatsoever in Luciano Spalletti. I mean, the past few weeks, he should be sending uh, Juan Donara, Mauro Riccardi's wife, uh, the biggest bunch of flowers he can find every <laughs> single weekend. Because every weekend since the Riccardi story broke, he has been utterly dreadful at his job. And then she's gone on television on Sunday night on Tiki Taka on Media Set and talked about what, um, Icardi and nobody cares what Spalletti is doing they're just blaming Icardi which is brilliant for Spalletti because he's making an absolute me- he's been he's letting Antonio Candreva take free kicks when the guy makes more accurate, inaccurate crosses than, than any player in the history of Serie A uh, he's, he's sending on Borca Valero to protect Leeds when 
Boca Valera was finished as a midfielder when he left Fiorentina and now we're three years later and Spalletti's still sending him on as if he can defend a, a lead. He's using Andrea Ranocchia, his fourth choice central defender, as a striker when he needs a goal and, and literally lumping the ball high into the penalty area, hoping a, a six foot five inch defender can score him a goal like some Stuart Pierce, Sam Allardyce prehistoric tactic. And then nobody cares because, hey, Wanda Nam TV talking about Icardi. It's crazy. It's literally crazy. He's, he's a dreadful, dreadful football manager. And as bad as Milan are playing, Inter are worse right now. And I, I think that Milan could win quite comfortably, to be honest. I, I really do. I think everything is in their favour. The, the, the defensive mistakes that Inter are making, the, the bad substitutions of Spalletti, the terrible lineups that he keeps choosing as well, not forgetting the fact that they've got a, a Europa League game, a difficult Europa League game on Thursday, and Milan have got all week to prepare for the derby. I, I think that this game coming three days after the first leg of the Europa League and three days before, uh, four days before the second plays right into Milan's hands. And for me... It's Milan's to lose. Like they're the form team. They have the form striker. None of their players' wives are on TV talking nonsense. <laughs> and, and, sure. and let's not underestimate either the fact that the Icardi situation is so bad that the other guest on Tiki Taka on Sunday night is Antonio Cassano. And Antonio Cassano well, is Antonio Cassano is telling people that the situation is ridiculous. Antonio Cassano thinks it's ridiculous. <laughs> like oh, that's how bad it is. Even Cassano knows. Oh dear, <laughs> Antonio Cassano well, is a character. Cassano, he he literally does have no filters whatsoever. So yeah, he literally he, says what he might, you know, whatever he thinks he's saying. So and that's what everyone thinks, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's funny. Antonio Cassano is brilliant for TV. That's what I will say. Um, Tommy, looking at this. Inter, obviously, as Adams mentioned, they've got a Europa League tie with Eintracht Frankfurt. That's not going to be easy. If they were to crash out of the Europa League and lose the derby, is there a possibility that Luciano Spalletti could be given his marching orders before the end of the season, in your view? Um, I think it'll be difficult, to be fair, because uh, first of all, I don't think now that Ranieri as well is gone, I don't think there really is anyone available at the moment, unless they give their team to um, the youth manager, but I don't think it would be a good choice. I think they should stick with Spalletti. I, I agree with Adams, but I, I think I really don't like Spalletti. I think he's one of the worst uh, managers ever to manage a top four team in Serie A. Um, but I think, that, I think he shouldn't really... Um, help Inter in this situation to just give the the teams to someone random. Um, well, about the derby, I think I think the Adams is right. Milan should probably win, but as Vittorio, I agree more with Vittorio when he said that in a derby anything can happen, and a lot of times we saw the the weaker team win. And I mean, in, in the end of the day, even though they did play, play with Ranocchia as a striker and Azamoa as a winger as well, uh, the last last game with Pal, they should be. They should be coming to the derby quite full force, besides, of course, Icardi and stuff. And they're probably going to start with Politano and Perisic on the winger, which we know that they're playing well, especially Perisic in this period. is kind of going back to what it was. Not why, but almost. And then, yeah, I 100% agree with Tori when he said about Keita. I think he'll probably come from the bench, 
probably to replace Martinez as a striker or even as, as a winger. And he could re- really be the difference. If Milan is like one nil up or something like that, then the last one in I think Keita could be terrific. Mm. Brilliant. Brilliant stuff. I I, I want to see Milan win. Um, I think now, you know, the more sort of I'm, I'm looking at the table and the way things are unfolding this season, I'd actually quite like them to finish second. Uh, and, and that's kind of my only reason for it. I think that Vittorio has been talking about it for weeks on this podcast and he's made some great points regarding the Icardi thing and how the timing of it has been so disastrous and it's threatening to derail into season where it kind of has derailed their season a little bit already. Uh, so, you know, it just feels like Milan are a club on the up. Things are going well. Inter kind of a little bit on the decline in the sense that they can't seem to get their house in order. And and that's a real shame. Um, another team that I just want to touch on as well, you know, we're coming close to the end, but Napoli, they were held um, by Sassuolo. It was a late equaliser from Insignia to, to avoid the defeat. Vittorio, in your eyes, is it is it what Adam said? Is it because that they've given up on Serie A? Have we seen a, a drop-off in Napoli and, and is the Europa League at the forefront of their minds now? I hope so, because it's time that an Italian team goes and wins the Europe League. And I said it also in the past, Napoli is a team who have won that much in Europe. So if they go to the Europe League, they should be fighting for winning instead of, you know, we remember remember in the last year, Sarri was always playing the subs, uh, players who played less in the Serie A in the Europe League and got out early. Instead, Mm -hmm. with Ancelotti, we're seeing different things and to be honest and I don't know if you guys agree but I think at this moment Napoli is the favourite for the Europe League I don't see another team I'm not saying it's going to be easy for Napoli but for me Napoli should be considered a favourite for the Europe League and I think they should go for it because as I said I mean, last time they won the Coppa UEFA, it was called, it, there was still Diego Maradona playing. So, you know, it wasn't <laughs> yesterday. Last time it won anything, Diego Maradona was still playing. <laughs> yeah, you know, so <laughs> it, it, they don't have seven Champions League. So you you win a Europe League. It's a good, it's very important for Napoli. And I want these type of teams that have the chance to win it to really fight for it because they didn't do it in the past saying, oh, we don't have the team. We have to fight for the Champions League, etc." You already qualified for the Champions League. Come on. And you were even last year when, when Sarri made that terrible terrible mistakes uh, of mm. selecting the starting eleven. So this year, you really can't win it. And I don't know if... I think they gave up the Scudetto because, well, they they never really believe it. And after losing against Juventus at home, it was over. But mm. I really hope they're going to fight for the Europe League because they really can win it. Well, I, I hate to rain on your parade, guys, but Arsenal are going to win the Europa League. Once we turn around, Ren, uh, tomorrow night at the Emirates. They, but, uh, <laughs> Napoli rested a lot of players on Sunday, which is really good to see because I think they already have a decent lead in the in the after the first leg in this round, um, and they rested many of their first team players on Sunday for ahead of the second leg. I think the key thing for for Napoli, and I, I totally agree with what you say about it, would be fantastic to see a team like Napoli go on and win the Europa League. Um, I think the key thing is that on Friday when the draw for the for the next round, it's the draw for the quarterfinals and the semifinals at the same time. So you'll, they will know who, which two teams they could potentially face in the semifinals as well. And I think it's the same in the Champions League as well. And I think for both Juve and for Napoli, by Friday we'll know a lot more because we'll be able to see the route that both teams have got to the final. And I think 
maybe next week you can say, look, if, if Napoli can beat this team, then they'll probably play this team. They've got a really good chance to get to the final. And I think the manager that Carlo Ancelotti is, if there's a, if there's a path, like if they have quite a, a reasonable draw and he can see a route through to the, the final, I think he'll absolutely just throw away the remaining league games and, and go all for it in that. We've seen him do it before in the Champions League. He did it to win the Champions League with Milan. He, he completely gave up on the 06 or 07 uh, Serie A and went and won the Champions League when they started on uh, minus points after Calciopoli. He, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to, to get the best from his team when it matters and he knows how to, to choose his best 11 based on who he's playing. So uh, they have every chance and if the draw is kind, even more so because that, I absolutely think they'll give up on the, the league games. Can you imagine after all this Spalletti talk tonight if, if Inter were to go on and win the Europa League? That would be something, wouldn't oh, it? Oh, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, anything to add on that? I 100% agree. I think I think if, if you need a manager for a, a European competition, Ancelotti is one of the best around. He's always proven that he's probably better at European competitions than the league itself. And I also think that Napoli, uh, he, they have a squad that is very strong. Like the starting 11 is very strong, but the problem is that they really don't have a bench. And that could be good for a European competition because if you really believe in it, if you want to win it, then you always um, have, you always use your starting 11 for every 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 game. While to win the league, you also need, like we saw from Juventus, like a big bench. Uh, Napoli sold some important players in the past, like Jorginho, uh, Hamsik Zier, replaced them with players like Onas, Yunas, Verdi, even Iguain when he left, was replaced by Milik, which of course now is an incredible player. But when he came, it was just a youngster from Poland, like like he could have failed completely. So I don't think Napoli has the team to win the league, not now and not in the next few years if they keep going with this kind of policy. But they definitely have the good enough squad to win the Europa League, and they should go for it. I'm sure that Ancelotti would do everything for it. Yep, absolutely. I agree. I agree. It's worth going for. Um, but like I said, Arsenal are going to win it, so we don't really need to, well, to worry you know, about Arsenal, it. <laughs> one very quick thing about Arsenal is that uh, they really fighting for the league, are they? They're only one point below Spurs. They're only like one point above Man United, correct me if I'm wrong. So they really want that top four that has been missing for a few years, and that will take a lot of energies out of them. Well, Napoli as we were saying, completely came out of the league. But also, also, just to say the other side of that and stop the Arsenal fans from having to do it himself, they've got Unai Emery. And yeah. if we want to talk about Carlo Ancelotti <laughs> yeah. being a, a European Cup specialist, Unai Emery is the Europa League specialist, isn't he? He knows yeah. what it takes. And, and if you win the Europa League, you get in Champions League anyway. So maybe that's the way to go. Uh, it'll be tough. And Napoli, probably the biggest team that they're going to have to face and, and beat if they're going to win it. It's probably between those two, and Ancelotti against Emery in a final would be really good. Yeah, that would um, that would be an interesting yeah. watch, wouldn't it? I think with Ar- yeah. with Arsenal, it, it's we're going to come to a point in the season where Unai Emery has to make a decision, a bit like Jose Mourinho did in the Europa League a few years back, where he had mm-hmm. to decide and weigh up the possibilities of making the top four and w- against the the possibility of winning the Europa League. In the end, he felt that that was the way to go, and and it'll be interesting to see whether. Arsenal get into that position but you know it's a different scenario to last season where Arsenal were nowhere near the top four this time they're in the mix for it so be interesting to see how Emery deals with this because he is so famed for the Europa League it is obviously a competition that means a great deal to him I think that one of the big keys for for all these teams now is that we've got past the 
the last 16 stage because the quarterfinals and semifinals are on the same schedule as Champions League, whereas for the the last 32 and last 16, you've got two extra matches there. Yeah. And we've seen in the past in Serie A, we've seen Fiorentina going for a Champions League place and then get into the Europa League knockout stages. And those extra two games really take it out of you. And excuse me, as you said before, Arsenal don't have a game this weekend, which plays into that fantastically well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that, that really helps them out. And then they've got the second leg and then they've got a bit of a break before the quarterfinals. So that, that's really good. I think the, the other thing I wanted to say as well before we wrap up is it was great to see part of what helped Juventus on Tuesday night was what happened on Friday night against Udinese when Allegri, because of Juve's massive lead in the league, was able to do the same thing as Napoli and rest lots and lots of players, including Cristiano Ronaldo, who didn't play at all for the first time all season when he sat out a game completely. Um, in Serie A and he was rewarded with a hat-trick in the Champions League we saw Moises Keane put in a great performance Spinazzola was excellent against Udinese and then carried that over into the the um, Atletico Madrid game and and Juve are going to be in that same position too because they, they're 18 points clear at the top of the league they, they can lose five or six Serie A games like they've not lost a game yet but they can lose five or six and still be at the top of the table and there's only 10 games to go so it's it's falling great for Juve if they get a kind draw on Friday it's opened up for them too in just the same way yeah absolutely absolutely the last piece of news that I just want to touch on and it is just a piece of news that I came across uh, earlier on today when I was flicking through the news pages and I want to start with Tommy on this one because the man I'm going to talk about is is a bit of a Sampdoria hero Uh, Attilio Lombardo will be Roberto Mancini's assistant in the national setup um (laughs) Two players reunited who obviously played uh, together. Uh, Lombardo's last job was at Torino with Mihailovic. Is this a good appointment in in your eyes, uh, Tommy? What will he bring to the national team, in your opinion? I think I think it's a good, I mean, I might be a bit biased, but I think it is a great appointment. <laughs> That's yeah. why I started he's with a, you. He's an absolute I, I, I legend. I love sentences that start, I might be biased, but there seems to be a lot of that tonight. I'm definitely biased. I'm actually biased. <laughs> I mean, he's never proved to be like an exceptional manager or what, but I, I think to be an assistant manager, you don't really need to be like incredible yourself, but you need to have some kind of chemistry with the main manager because that's that, that's really the role, is it? And Manchini and Lombardo, they have a lot of history. They played together in an incredible team that won the league in 91. Um, so yeah, they know each other. They obviously, obviously Manchini trusts him a lot. So I think it's, it's all right. I think it would be better... It would be better Lombardo that has a good chemistry with Mancini rather than maybe a better manager than Lombardo, but that doesn't know Mancini and they know each other, then you know they, they have to meet each other for the first time. So, yeah, I mean, there's a bit of a rebuilding job to do when it comes to the national team, and it, I think it's good to see some fresh faces, some young faces, and for me, some uh, some legends, some other legends. <laughs> That's it. That's it. We're talking, I, um, not the only two, even Nietzsche as well. There's, other, there's a few others. Quali Rella now. Yeah. <laughs> Victoria? I, I think um oh. Oh, sorry, go on, uh, go on. Sorry, right. whoever wants to go, don't worry. <laughs> I just wanted to point it out that uh, Lombardo Mancini won the scudetto with Lazio too. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, and no uh, the important thing is Manc- the type of management Mancini has, he he usually has uh, someone who helps for the defense and someone who helps him for the attack movement, etc. Mm. And with Manchester City, if I'm not wrong, he had Lombardo doing that phase. 
So maybe he wants to have the same thing, the same structure he had in, with Manchester City in the national team, who makes sense because, because with the national team, you don't have that much time. You don't train them day in and day out. So maybe you want a manager who works on the with the attackers, you know, with the striker, with the midfielder, etc., preparing some some tactics for football team when they're attacking. And probably he's going to find someone for the defense. Now, usually he had Mialovic, who now is the manager, so I don't think he's going to be available. But probably he's, look, he's going to look for someone else, maybe someone who uh, played with him so he knows him well. Well, there is, I just want to end up saying that there's three other Sampdoria players, ex Sampdoria players in the team, which are Julian Nuciari, which used to be our goalkeeper, uh, then Albergiano Evani and Fausto Sarsano. So mm. it, it looks like a good team to me. <laughs> <laughs> nice five-a-side team on a, on yeah. a night when they finish training. Um, I remember when Joe Hart was at Torino um, with Mihailovic, he spoke about um, Lombardo at length, saying how he'd helped him with the language, because obviously they knew each other from Manchester City. He said it helped him with the language. He said he was always good, a good face to have around, and and he made the training sessions a bit lighthearted. Which, when it comes to national team, it's it's a really important thing, isn't it? These guys are they're already under enough pressure and tension from their clubs, and then they go away with the national team. You you want a bit of a break. You want it to be a. You don't need to be too serious because there's not that much planning you can put into it when you've only got three days training before you play the matches. And, and somebody like Lombardo, who's been to international tournaments and been a, largely a squad player, you know, he, he never really featured too much for the national team. And like when he went to Juve, he won a, a lot of trophies, but did so as a as a backup player mostly. Uh, he he kind of knows what it's like to be on the sidelines. So for all those guys who don't play too much for Italy, who are just in the squad, they train and then they go back to their clubs. He, he should be great for that. And it, it, it just seems like a, a really good face to have around from, from what everybody says about him. So I, and like you say, Mancini knows him. He'll be able to help the attackers, blah, blah, blah. It, it just makes sense in every way for me. Yeah, it, it does. It does. It seems like a really, really uh, solid appointment uh, from the Italian FA. Right, guys, that brings us to the end of another episode of Simply Serie A. My thanks to this week's panellists. Uh, Vittorio, do you want to let us know how people can follow you on Twitter and about your new exciting YouTube channel? Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, obviously, if you if you want, you can follow me on Twitter at Vittorio Campa. And uh, yeah, just open a a YouTube channel to talk about Serie A in English. So if you want, I think you can have the link uh, in the description. That's Thanks. right. That's right. The link will be in the description uh, for you guys to click on and head straight over there. Uh, Adam, my thank you to yourself for joining us once again. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on again this week. Do you want to let our listeners know how they can follow you and keep up with your work? Yeah, I put everything on Twitter and Facebook. My Twitter is um, at ADZ77 and my Facebook is just my name, Adam Digby. Both easy enough to find. Brilliant stuff. And again, we'll be tagging you in the description for those wishing to find you. And last but not least, Mr. Tommy Milanese, uh, our jet setter, uh, doing videos out in the States and all sorts uh, for, is it for 90 minutes? Do you want to let people know how they can keep up with you, Tommy? Yeah, sure. You can find my personal Twitter uh, if you want some very biased, messy tweets and uh, some sort <laughs> of tweets. Uh, Tommy Nantimin and my work, yeah, Nantimin in every social media. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. Guys, thank you all so much. And we'll be back next week where we'll be looking back on that much-anticipated Milan derby. Until then, ciao.
Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.